Hey guys, here's the second part of my conversation with Ted Nicely. Uh, if you didn't listen to the last episode, Ted has a medical condition that's been sort of complicated by the COVID-19 situation, uh, and you can read about it on his website and his uh, GoFundMe website that I have linked in the show notes. So please go ahead and do that. Enjoy the show. They came back from Margin Walker, and they had been on this enormous tour, like 80 day dates with about two days off, maybe, staying in squats, getting sick. Uh, Brendan had been sick, and they were already scheduled to go into the studio. And so they went in there. They had to adapt to a whole totally different way of recording than, than they had before. And, and the biggest thing about who guys have to say right here is that all the records I've made with them, we've never gone back and retracked anything from the beginning to the end. Like say on, you know, on a fair amount of records, you don't keep the live tracks, you know, you're lucky if you can, everything on those Fugazi records is live. You know, the take is live. Hmm. There's maybe a punch in on the bass maybe a guitar chord or an ending or a downbeat or something, but it would just be in and out, not record that whole part again. There might be a few fixes and then we'll talk about overdubs. We start doing vocals on them as soon as we have something to do vocals on. I was, I, I knew from the get go working with them that I, I wasn't probably going to ever have to worry about like, Retracking guitars all the time or whatever you know that's what adds on to time yeah so they came back from touring and and margin walker uh they they just i don't think grooved to the way it was recorded um brendan had to play all the drums by himself and then everybody else had to do that you know play play it to the recorded drums this is the way i understand it okay they didn't really like that um, but I mean, look at what a record it is. It's fantastic. I mean, when I heard it and then, you know, they were kind of telling me about what happened. I was like, I would have never imagined that you guys put this thing together like that. Yeah, really. Not that, you know, millions of people don't do it. I mean, I, I, you know, I did a lot of Pony Express record like that, but, um, you know, recorded the whole band and then, but I recorded the whole band together and then started replacing stuff. Anyways, yeah, we went in and did the sub pop single of song number one. And that I was not especially pleased with the, the sonic aspect of it at all. Uh, and I kind of view that as Don and I kind of let the ball slip on that, or I did. And then uh, they said, yeah, we want to do it. I know in Joe's book, he, uh, I think Ian talks about me going in with a book. <laughs> and listening to the the songs, you know, to to see, you know, just to be familiar with it. That's the way right. I was rolling at that point. I had started doing other bands and stuff, and and I was making, you know, notes. And he was like, you know, what's with this? Ian was like, what the fuck's with that notebook? <laughs> You've never done that, you know. And I said, well, I mean, I, I just taken down notes on like anything that wasn't any good or you know 
whatever. And then I just said, ah, man, I'm kidding around. Everything's great. <laughs> and, and so, uh, so we went in, we went in and started working on a repeater. And the only thing that was different by then I was in culinary school and I was doing an, an apprenticeship at this pretty big deal restaurant in D.C. called L'Auberge J. Francois. It was an Alsatian theme. Oh, I've been to L'Auberge a few times. That that place is great. Okay, well, you know, I was working there as an apprentice, working my way around the, the kitchen. But I, I, by the time we were going to be doing repeater, I had a really good rapport with the chef, the sous chef, the executive chef, everything. And so when I said, hey... I need to, you know, coordinate having, you know, five days off in a row. And then I'm going to need these days to do this. But otherwise, and I think it was summertime. So I was working a lot that summer in the morning. I don't know why. I was learning the other as I was learning more production aspects and service aspects, like as a cook. And so we, you know, we did some of repeater like, um, in like the 10 30 10 o'clock to 3 3 30 age because uh time uh, line because in the you know in the day because i had to be at laberge by four i mean i had to be walking in the door at the very least by four so but i, I you know i was able to schedule enough time so we did all the basics you know, on a regular schedule and vocals and most of the, because, uh, you know, I had two days off a week anyways. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Nobody was probably going to record on Sunday. So, and that again was a winner, you know, I mean, like, I think we got better natural sounds off that record. I've listened to a couple of things where Don's been interviewed and he's describing the 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 room where the band would be in the band where the band was in uh in repeater but i think we set it up differently and the drums sound very interesting i mean when you hear uh what's it brendan number one yeah you know the drum song starts right after uh yeah it starts right after turnover i mean um repeater right goes right into it that's a huge drum sound, and that's really the sound of the drums in that in that little laundry room. <laughs> Which sometimes, you know, you you build up kind of a sound pressure uh, compression in in small rooms, so it really makes the drums sound exciting. So you'd attribute you know, the difference in drum sounds more to the space than that, like miking techniques or anything like that. I would, I would. I mean, they were mic'd well, definitely well for the for the you know when you when you mic stuff top and bottom which maybe we were doing at that point um you know you're getting the the attack from the top and the 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 acoustic booming from the bottom but um i i like to work the overheads and and the ambient mics you know the stereo ambience on each you know the mics on each side to to give the the drum some space and you know, make it a little more exciting. Right. So those were, those were things, uh, there, um, by the way, uh, I, I think I had read in, um, I guess it was Joe's book. Uh, I think it said, or whoever was talking about it said that you were in pastry school, but this sounds like more of like a more holistic culinary 
thing you were doing this internship at Loberge? Holistic? Or not holistic, but like uh, like uh, sort of uh, soup to nuts, like not not just focused on pastries. Well, when I when I went to Loberge out of cooking school, I um I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know if I even wanted to be in food. I I had I'd always been interested in it since I was a little kid watching. You know, on one hand, I'd be watching the Ed Sullivan his show, and the other hand, I'd be watching Julia Child and Galvin Gourmet, and and later. You know, much later, uh, things like Great Chefs of the West, you know, all that Discovery Channel, Great Chef stuff. Right. And um, and so, you know, I got an interest for that, but I didn't really know how it was going on. I thought the best way to approach it would be to do an, an apprenticeship at a restaurant and and have, you know, experience on both sides of the uh, the. Um, the kitchen, the hot side and the cold side. Got it. I I didn't get to work too much in the cold side. I did for a little while garde manger, which is part of pastry, but um, not enough. That kind of coincided with me going to France and all this stuff. Uh, okay, got from it. A band that 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 Guy had been sent a demo by with the intention of them of him he giving it to me and i did end up doing that but okay so yeah <laughs> that's that's kind of where i was going then before it had solidified but, into your area of specialty that's interesting because i was you know i was thinking about that i was looking at the track listing and i was like hmm, you know the first song on this record is called turnover i'm connecting the dots maybe a little tribute to uh, ted and his pastry uh, chef <laughs> uh career no although although Guy did joke about it one time oh really <laughs> he said yeah you know what turnover is about right <laughs> no i was wondering if anyone yeah. had ever made that joke it's about something <laughs> you fed me one time and i was like oh bullshit <laughs> <laughs> much more serious than that i'm sure yeah uh, i, I kind of look at uh, gay as the romanticist of the band Interesting. you know uh but but, but anyways um you know, it didn't didn't really have anything to do with either either one of them. Um, although I think being in a kitchen and working in that kind of way, and don't ask me why I got out of music and wanted to throw myself into that world, but I don't know. You know, it has a lot of relation to music in a way. You know, and so I mean, I used to think, man, this is kind of like setting up for a show. You know, you do everything to get ready, you set up, you test, and then you wait for the crowd. And and then in, when you do service, it's kind of like the war on a bad night. And as you know, if you've been there, it, very, it gets very crowded and busy. And I remember doing, uh, I, was, I was working on a souffle station, dessert souffles for three months. And the first time I was on there after being trained, I had like 95 souffles during the first seating. Whoa. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, God. And then it was 75 <laughs> after that. So you, you kind of feel like if you've seen Platoon, like when the guy jumps in the hole and pulls the thing over him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, and, and you know, I, 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 but, but the thing I was going to say, it kind, of, it kind of maybe informed me on how to, how to solve problems quickly. And um, not necessarily the problems, but solve little things that come up in the studio when you're working on records. And mainly, 
having um, what they call in the restaurant business a, a sense of urgency. I think that's one of the things in the records that I've made with Fugazi is that I think there is a kind of a sense of urgency, you know, and it just, it just happens with us being around each other, you know, um, uh, there's no kind of special doodad or anything, you know, there's no kind of special language. Uh, it just, it just seemed to work and, and we do these really cool things, you know? Before we started recording this, I think you were telling me that you hadn't really re-listened a, a great deal to, to these records. Um, and I think the guys in the band have said that too. You know, they they spend a lot of time recording uh, the songs, but then they don't, they don't really go back and listen to the records. They're just focused on practicing, playing them live and things like that. It's maybe a little bit like, um, you know, we were just talking about in an episode that was recently released... There's people in certain creative endeavors who just really make things for the moment, which is, you know, basically in food service, what you're doing, you're creating this great food, knowing that it's it's not going to last, it's going to be eaten like right away, pretty much. Uh, but then, but that's sort of beautiful in its own way that this thing you're creating, you know, it's going to disappear really soon. Uh, you know, the thing I the thing I liked about cooking and I like about cooking is the kind of sense of uh, instant gratification and and joy people get out of it. You can't hear it out of records. And I will tell you another thing I, I was going to mention is that like singers, especially who don't like and, and can't really listen to their voices in the most objective way. And that's another reason why I think maybe they like me being around was, um, I had an enormously hard time listening to my own work and and really hearing it like anybody else can hear it. You know what I'm saying? I, I would listen and you know, man, that could have been better. Not not technically, I mean not not physically like playing. It was more the sonics because that's my gig and and, and stuff and I would just be like, Oh man, wow. And then somebody said, wow, it's great. And then occasionally you listen to it and you think, man, this record really is great. <laughs> and, then, and then not that you ever think it sucked, but, you know, you had your own problems with yourself. And, and then I, I um, coming back, you know, I've been working on a memoir and stuff and listening and writing. And, and then, I don't know, kind of this resurgence and podcasts and stuff like that. And, and now I can really hear them. Hmm. I can really hear them with no kind of bullshit psychological stuff going on. The distance of time. Yeah, the distance of time. And, and, and even more so for me, this is something I've been kind of quoted on lately a bit, is that um, when, when you listen to something and it stands the test of time, then, then you know that you've done something really well, I think. Do you know? Yeah. And, and I, think, yeah. I think those records stand the test of time. Speaking of when, you know, the days when you were recording your own stuff and being really involved in that, you were, you were mainly a bass player, right, with Tommy Keen? Yeah, uh, and, and I did work as co-producer on all the stuff that we recorded 
at, before we got signed and all that stuff, you know. Did you ever feel like you had some sort of like uh, inward bias toward getting great bass sounds because of that, or were, or were you always more of a no. whole band kind of person? I hate it when people are just worried about their guitars because that means I'm not. That means that I'm not doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I and think I, it's and for I, me. It's, I, I don't mean. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, for me, it's something that I've I've played bass in bands. I've played guitar in some bands. I think each one has given me more of an appreciation for this. You know what what not to do, like the space I should not be taking up. Um, I think every exactly. every sort of instrument you try gives you more of an appreciation for the space that a mix needs in what areas it needs it. Exactly, and 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 on. You know, speaking of, I mean, Joe's always been a fantastic bass player, Joe Lally, but on repeater, when he, when we did shut the door and there was that whole bass breakdown, you know, I mean, it's just like, he's kind of king of that shit. Yeah. I was just talking you know, to another then, person about how we, we were both kind of surprised that apparently he didn't use his um, Stingray bass, his Music Man Stingray, after the like 13 songs basically uh and i think we had all assumed that he used that throughout his whole career recording but apparently he didn't it was he found it too sterile i guess i guess i'm guessing he changed to his jazz bass for repeater um he was either playing a jazz or a precision why do i think maybe it was a precision because i played a jazz a lot right um although on one record of Tom's uh, Places That Are Gone, I played a P bass, and it's just kind of unique for that record. I've always looked at that record as kind of like a rubber solely type of record, so it kind of has this big whoosh, not like very, you know, trebly or anything, mm-hmm. uh, although a lot of that has to do with how you play and everything, but yeah, Joe was using Fenders for, I'm pretty sure, I know he did on Repeater. And I want to say he did on, on and on the Kill Tiger, but you know, somehow I think he had he was playing a bass that Flea had given him. I thought I, I sold I sold Joe my bass head when I got out of music. Gosh, I want to say it was a trainer or a it was some kind of mildly fancy um, bass head. I, I remember. Kim Gordon needed a bass head at this 930 club. I think it was a sister's tour. And so I took her mine and, and then Joe bought it not long after that, or maybe he already had it. I can't remember now. I know someone called me and I said, take, I've got something or he has something or whatever. Joe's work on repeater, I think was brilliant. He's just brilliant all the time. Are there are there any special things about Repeater that you like? I mean, is that a record that stands up for you? Or oh, absolutely. It's I think for a lot of people, I don't know. I get the sense that it's a lot of people's favorite record. Maybe maybe for most people, even um, I'm not sure. I haven't done a scientific survey. It's pretty interesting that they re-recorded Provisional for this one with uh, with Gee adding guitar. It doesn't seem like a lot of bands have done that, um, but I guess they really felt that song had just such an added kick with uh, with him doing that that deserved a re-recording. I knew I saw. I know I saw them at nine thirty. It had to have been because I remember Gee getting ready 
for that buildup. You know, it's that buildup to when the guitar explosion happens. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's just like one of my favorite moments ever. You know, it's just so insane and loud and nutty. And and when he did it on stage, it was even crazier and nuttier. And and it's just, I love that. You know, I love it when it just goes completely ape. Yeah, that, that was brilliant to re redo that. I loved it. Oh, no, I like them all. You know, I recently went, I went back over it. I did this Italian interview. Uh, I don't know if you've read it. I, I, I published a, an English transcript of it. Uh, I think it's on Facebook. It's on my, my website, I know. We were, we were talking about that. Um, I, I was talking about doing Sophisted Find, and uh, that originally when we recorded it, I was kind of like, this is just getting too fast. And I tried putting... Um, I tried putting, uh, you know, using a click for, uh, Brendan to play with and, and it just destroyed everything. And you can't really, you don't want to mess with Brendan too much because he has this really solid rock thing that goes on, but he also has this, what I call like the Tony Williams of whatever music they play. You know I mean? Like he has a really fluid thing going on there and you can't, mess with it too much because it's very organic it sounds great and when you do drummers like that you kind of have to let them do it you know i mean he's never you know kept bad time or anything it was just the song i mean half the time when songs sound fast it's the guitars that are pushing the drummer anyways huh. you know yeah so just just the tempo breathes a tiny imperceptible bit and that makes all the difference that kind of thing yeah, you know, I mean, just so it has a little more space, you know. I mean, the the reason, it, it's been written in a couple of places, working on other people's records, that, um, you know, I wanted to work on this using click track, and it's like this big deal. And it isn't a big deal. It, it You know, I don't care. I mean, you know, if, if we don't use a click, then it's up to the band to give you the performance that that whether or not it speeds up or slows down, it has to be great. Whereas using a click, you, you shouldn't even hear it if you're playing with it right, you know? Yeah. It keeps things on a more kind of organic level. I hate to use that word. I'm not really into it. But, but you know, when everything's in time and the symbols end and they decay in time and the reverb ends on time, you know, it's just... It's just kind of a, you know, it's the other side of things being kind of like not on time. You know, it's, 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 it's just everything does, you know, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and it's, it's a cool thing to behold and, and to listen to, but, but it doesn't, it doesn't make anything less emotional because the drummer can, <clears throat> can play a little bit in back of the beat or on top of the, you know, in, in, in front of the click or on top of it or, or in back of it as a song goes. I mean, Blueprint is a very back of the beat type song, you know, the way it has that thing. It's kind of like a cross between, I always heard that drum part on Blueprint as part of like a, as kind of a, a Phil Taylor, ACDC, uh, you know, goo, goo thing and then uh 
you know, it has other parts to it, of course, but, but, you know, has this very solid thing. And then, uh, many examples of Brendan's styles of drumming on that record and, uh, and his sense of dynamics and everything. So, you know, I mean, using a click, you know, it didn't really matter because they know how to perform, you know, you get a performance. Yeah. But when, you know, and, and a lot of people just don't have that. Girls Against Boys is kind of was, well, even though they played to a click, I mean, I don't know if many people know that, that, that listen to any of their stuff that, all that stuff was cut to a click track well that's exactly the thing like you can people can sort of speculate about whether playing to a click makes something soulless but like really in a blind test how many listeners could possibly tell that something in the studio is recorded to a click uh i I bet a lot of people would be really surprised or even more so that tape has been edited you know in the old days uh, i never did this I, i actually had to do it on one record uh, in the nineties even, but, um, before there was pro tools, but, um, you know, people would get in there and razor time glitches out of the tape, you know, cut them out yeah, and then take it back together. And, and one of the things I got the idea of from margin Walker is that, um, is that John did some of that to Brendan and, you know, they probably heard it. Like, I can hear it a little bit now, maybe, but I never did then. I was like, dude, if that guy edited tape on your drums, he did a hell of a job because <laughs> I can't hear anything but you, you know? And um, so, you know, anyway, it's a, it's a great record, you know? I mean, um, barring any kind of, disturbance to anybody's sleep i i always kind of had the 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 idea that that fugazi weren't staying up all night drinking and drugging and whatever they're probably having fun some of them this is my last thing. 